0: Hello, welcome to Heatop, but something's off of me, just Joey T. Hey, everybody. I just got back from the Oasis, uh, not the Oasis, the Atlantis Mediterranean cruise in Europe. I actually got back last week, been back for about a week now. First of all, completely unrelated, I've got a huge canker sore on the roof of my mouth right now. And it hurts like a MF to eat anything. I was drinking some water before, and sometimes even drinking water hurts. So, yeah, I just needed to get that out of the way because it's been making my life very miserable. I first thought, do I have a throat infection? You know how you sometimes travel and you pick up something or you feel like you picked up something after you've come back home, after you've been traveling for a bit? I thought it was some sort of throat throat infection. But no, I looked in my mouth earlier today and I was looking at the back of my throat because I thought that's where it was hurt, hurting to swallow and eat and whatever. And then I just happened to have looked up at the roof of my mouth and just a huge giant canker sore there. I am prone to canker sores. And as switched toothpaste, I used to get canker sores on the inside of my lips. Um... Quite often, it was very, very annoying. And you get a canker sore, kind of where your teeth is, uh, on the on the inside of your lips, and the canker sore pops up, and then it makes you more likely to bite on where the canker sore is, which makes it even worse. So that's super annoying. And eating a lot of foods just burns when you have a canker sore. So uh, I switched toothpaste, and that actually made my canker sores a lot better. So apparently... There's an ingredient called SOS that's in a lot of regular toothpaste. And for some people, that could make your canker sores worse or cause you to develop them. So that was the case for me. So I have to use SOS-free toothpaste nowadays, which is not that hard to find. But it's something I go out of my way to have to look for whenever I need to buy more toothpaste. But anyways, I've never gotten a huge canker sore like this that's on the roof of my mouth. I'm not even saying roof, right? Anyways, yeah, it's, it's kind of back there in my mouth, and yeah, it, it just hurts. That That's neither here nor there. It's not related to the cruise. When I first had that, I thought I was not that slutty on the cruise. I didn't pick up anything. I did not have sex on the cruise. I can categorically say that right now. All my friends think I'm slighter than I really am. I think that's a completely separate topic. We'll, we'll have to... Pop open that kind of worms at some other time. Um, but, yeah, let's talk a little bit about cruise. Oh, the other thing is I've got my phone here. So if at some point the phone rings, well, I'll edit it out of the podcast. And, uh, again, the video version of this podcast, if you want to check out what I'm wearing today, I'm wearing this very lovely, very awesome Garcon Mordel tank top uh, from uh, our friends at uh, Garcon. Send me this very lovely tank top and actually a couple other ones. Uh It's not a sponsored podcast, but these are just really, really cool. I don't usually have these types of tank tops. They got some new designs out. So um, go Google them, check them out. They've been, uh, I've been working with them. Well, not working with them. Uh, They've noticed my semi, not really popularity on the social media. uh, And they've supported me uh, with a free, uh, some free clothes every now and then, because I usually look so poor, because I never go to buy uh, clothes of my own. So Cool, yeah, go, go with them and check them out. Uh, but anyways, I've got my phone here, which I don't usually do because at any moment, I'm expecting a phone call. I'm selling my car right now. I don't really have any... I'm just going on tangents right now. Sometimes on this podcast, whatever pops into my head is what I'm going to talk about. I was going to talk about the cruise, but we're, what, five minutes in and I've talked about anything that's anything but the cruise. But this is the experience... If you're new to the podcast that you can expect from this podcast, I think it triggers some people's ADHD. If that's the case, play something else. But this is like my random stream of consciousness. Anyways, I've got my phone here. Hopefully, it doesn't go off when I'm recording this podcast. Okay, finally, let's get to the mad cruise that I was on last week. It was in Europe. It's for nine nights. It was on a pretty nice ship. It was on the Oasis. Not the Oasis. keep on seeing the Oasis. It was on the Odyssey of the Seas. So it's a Royal Caribbean ship. It's a pretty nice ship. When I first got on it, walking through um, one of the main levels, I was thinking, I've been on this ship or like this class of ship before. And I was talking to someone and I was on the Anthem of the Seas Back in 2016, and it was a sister ship of the Odyssey. So the layout is pretty much nearly identical. So it felt a little bit familiar when I got on there. It's a really good cruise. Uh, It wasn't a crazy party cruise. Like the the big cruise that I usually go on in January of every year. And I've already booked for the January one uh, this coming year. But this one was nice. I didn't get off at many of the ports. I only got off at Ibiza... And, because I've never been to Ibiza before. It's kind of like a thing. We'll talk about Obiza. I've got some thoughts on that later on in this podcast. But I also didn't go with a big group of friends. It's really fun. I've been on a lot of the cruises with friends from Australia, throughout the US, whatever, just Friends, uh, we just go together, and it's that's a lot of fun. You get to do all sorts of different things on the cruise together as friends. That's great. On this cruise, I knew some people that were going on the cruise, but I didn't go with them. So I actually flew over to Europe all by myself. Uh, luckily, my flights were not delayed. I took three flights with two red eyes to get to Europe in an attempt to save money and save points because flying to Europe is not cheap right now. Find a Europe during the summer when it's peak Europe vacation season has never been that cheap. But post pandemic, I think right now it's a little extra expensive. I booked everything on miles. I found a pretty cheap redemption set of flights that would take me to Europe in time, but it was a red eye to from LA to Chicago and had to hang around Chicago for five or seven hours. And then it was another hop during the day to go to Washington Dallas, hung around there for I don't know how many hours. And then I needed to take another red eye from the east coast over to Rome where the cruise was supposed to set sail. Luckily all my flights were on time. The run to Rome was like a little it's a bit delayed, but like I, I was supposed to arrive at eight AM and there was a lot of time for me to get to the uh, ship. So it was fine coming after I landed in Rome and I was still on the way walking to passport control. It's a little bit of a walk from the gate. I ran into uh, my friend D- D- DJ Dan Slater. It, it was my, it was a bit of a haze because I tried to knock myself out on the flight. So I was like still not hundred percent fully awake. Neither was he. Um, so it was kind of, fun and cool to run into someone that I know uh, at the airport getting off flights and took a shuttle bus from the airport to the cruise port terminal place, which was really, really nice, had a really nice start to the vacation. You know, sometimes you need to travel somewhere to get to your vacation destination and travel, especially when it involves air travel, sometimes it could be very aggravating, sometimes it could just be what else? Luckily, this was a pretty nice, easy, uneventful uh, flight, uh, set of flights to start on my vacation. So I was kind of thankful for that. Got to Rome in the morning, no problem. Everything was like very well organized. The Atlantis people had their signs, uh, the tour bus and everything to take it to the port was all ready. So it was like a really nice start to the vacation. So I was very thankful for that. That was really awesome. Got to the... Terminal, and I actually knew some of the people who were volunteering for Atlantis to work this cruise because I've worked with them before on previous volunteer assignments on different cruises. So that was great. Got on the ship. That was fine. It was a little bit windy when we first got there. So that they actually changed the itinerary. So we were, we didn't leave Rome until technically the next morning, we're supposed to have left at like 7 p.m. We're supposed to have pushed back from the port at 7 p.m. Uh, on that day, on that first day. We didn't leave until sometime on day two. So they had to change all the ports. We're supposed to have, I have my laptop here. So we're supposed to have gone to, I think, Naples on the first day. But the first day, what's well, right, on the second day, like the first full day, I think we're supposed to have, went to Naples but it became a sea day because of the weather and like the rough seas and stuff I don't think we could we had to leave late and we probably couldn't have gone very quickly without making everyone sick so we went to uh, I've got it on my laptop here Palermo in Sicily and then we went to Naples and then we went to La Spaza. I sorry I'm butchering these Italian names of these very pretty, beautiful, famous locations in Italy. My apologies. Then we went to Monaco. And then we went to... We did an overnight in Ibiza. Originally, the itinerary was that I think they were supposed to stop in Ibiza overnight, either Friday night or Saturday night, months and months ago, um, way before the cruise happened. And people bought tickets for events and clubs and shows or whatever for like the Friday or Saturday night, whatever the original night was. But then it was like one or two months before the cruise and they had to change the itinerary World Caribbean apparently had to change the itinerary for whatever reason and then we stopped we ended up stopping in Ibiza on Sunday night instead so some people were like oh I have tickets to this now I can't go blah 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 anyways yeah and that was the last port and then we came back so it was nine nights in total so it was a really good cruise because I didn't go with like a big group of friends I was able to meet more new people uh, in a way. Because when you go with a group of friends, not just to a cruise, to a club or anything, you tend to clump together with your friends because they're your friends, you know them. So we're all going to party together, right? On a lot of events and trips and stuff, when I go to like a club or party, a cruise or whatever, I like to kind of wander around at certain points by myself and kind of leave my group. i always come back to the group eventually But I like to, you know, do a loop, do a circle, whatever, and just see what's out there. And on this cruise, when we had the parties uh, on the ship, it was nice to, in a way, I love my friends, and this is not shade, but it was nice to be able to be out there by myself and just kind of dance by myself a little bit and have myself actually be approachable by other people. Because when you're dancing with a group of friends, you're all, like, huddled in a circle. Sometimes that makes you maybe not, like, the most approachable looking by others. But because I was, like, dancing by myself, uh, actually I had quite a lot of people come up to me to, like, say either, oh, we watch our YouTube videos or we uh, took your advice for the cruise. Or, you know, even if they didn't know I did all that stuff, just, like, say hi and make small talk or whatever. So it's kind of nice in that way. It was kind of nice with this particular uh, group of people because, compared to some of the other cruises, especially that big party cruise I keep talking about in January, that's our party people, and their objective is not necessarily to make small talk and meet people. Their objective is to like party and hook up for a good number of them. Whereas on this European cruise, on this med cruise, you don't get as many of the party people. Uh, the hardcore party people. So it's actually easier to just have regular conversations with people Uh, in a way. It's a little hard to explain, but the vibe is a little bit more chill. It's not so much about hardcore partying, even though they do have parties on the ship pretty much every single day. I only ate at the buffet, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm not ashamed or embarrassed by it. I think there are... I always hear people that say oh don't eat at the don't just eat at the buffet go eat some of the other stuff i'm very much of the opinion that you're on vacation do whatever you want i don't like being judged by other people to tell you what to do or not to do based purely on their subjective opinion like they say oh you shouldn't just eat at the buffet or it's something like that that's a prime example i'll eat whatever the fuck i want it's my vacation ask for your opinion get out of my face so i actually like eating at the um, uh, buffet it's on this particular ship it's really nice you have regular tables that you can sit at and that's really nice if you're dining with other people they also have these uh counter height kind of island style uh tables um and you can sit probably eight people on each one of them. And it's very nice to sit there. And it was actually more inviting for other people to be able to come up to you and maybe just, like, spontaneously share, like, a quick bite with you or spontaneously for them to, like, just come up and talk to you. So I actually had that happen quite a few times. Imagine just long, rectangular, almost kitchen island-style type of a table that's, like, a uh, uh, bar height. And you can sit four people on each side. So I would grab a corner of that if there was available. And I've had a few times, several times, where people just like kind of ate nearby and like I was able to just mix small with them. Some people came up to me and like we were able to like eat together and have a conversation. So that was really really nice. Um, but I only ate at the buffet. It's fine. I want to. I was it, the other main dining option is the main dining hall, which is not a buffet. It's a Regular sit-down type experience where you get an appetizer. There are waiters. They bring you food. Three-course meal for every typical sit-down restaurant. Where, where's the buffet? There's no one serving you. You just grab a plate, grab your own food, sit wherever you want. Go for seconds or thirds and whatever. I did eat um, a lot of pizza. There's a pizza place that's um, pseudo 24 hours. And I did eat a lot of pizza. I was good for the first couple of nights. There were there's this one night where I ate ten slices of pizza. I went to it was after a party and I had it in my head, I memorized when these places close. When the when when do the restaurants and food services close at night after the party? That's the one thing I definitely remember from this from the get-go on the cruise. The buffet closes at four. The pizza plate closes at five. So one night, it's like the second or third night, I left the party at three-ish. Went to the buffet. I had two plates of food. Not huge plates, but I had two plates of food. And then I went to the pizza place uh, when the buffet was closed. Went to the pizza place. And I ate nine, ten slices of pizza. I thought it was nine. I counted again. It was ten. Because I went up and I got two slices. I went up and again and I got two. And then I got up again and I got three. And then I I somehow, or like they gave me four slices. It... End up being 10 slices. I had two plates of food at the buffet, and then I ate 10 slices of pizza. They It was thin-sliced pizza. It wasn't like super big slices of pizza, but the pizza's actually quite good. I actually quite like the pizza on uh, the Royal Caribbean cruises. It's very, very consistent. Every time I've been a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, they all almost all of them have the pizza place, and the pizza is very consistent. The food is usually very consistent. The one thing that's consistently bad is any sort of grilled chicken so they always have like chicken breast or grilled chicken or something like that i never eat that But this is always super super dry and chicken is something i usually don't order in any restaurant anyways because it's super dry and when i cook chicken at home it's out of the package i didn't even marinate my chicken i didn't even spice my chicken i literally take plain raw chicken from the refrigerator Put it onto a tray, shove it in the toaster oven. 30 minutes later, I just eat it. I don't even put anything on it, honestly, but it's super, super juicy because it's freshly cooked. But I think when you cook in batches or in a lot of restaurants, especially on the cruise ship, they would cook in batches in advance and they have to reheat it. When you reheat chicken, it dries out instantly. So it doesn't matter how much they've marinated it or do whatever other stuff in it, if it's some sort of grilled or boiled chicken, it's just gonna be dry. They did have chicken tenders, like fried chicken tenders every night. When it's fried, it's okay. It locks in the moisture. So the chicken tenders is pretty good. So that part was okay. So uh, that part was fine. I am supposed to be off dairy, not because I'm allergic, but I found out it triggers my breakouts and my acne on my face. And for the two months or so up to the cruise at home, I've been doing really well not eating dairy, getting, um, vegan cheese and switching to vegan protein powder, that kind of stuff. And I was kind of curious, is it, what kind of dairy sets off my acne? Is it just whey? Because a uh, whey, which is, um, one of the two types of protein in dairy milk, cow milk, uh, it's known to be a trigger for acne, but, for me, I was thinking, well, what if I had types of dairy that didn't have to weigh in it? What if I had certain types of cheese, for example, uh, would that trigger it? So it was kind of sort of an excuse for myself to have some dairy on the cruise ship. On a lot of the Royal Caribbean cruise ships, on the pool deck, they have soft serve ice cream, which me and David Lamb, when we're on a party cruise together, we'll get 10 a day. Like I, I'm not even kidding. We just keep it going back again. There are there are days where the first thing we ate when we woke up was we we would walk to the buffet, or whatever. But on the way, we crossed the pool. We crossed the soft serve machine. We would that would be the first thing we ate for before actual food was soft serve. You're on vacation, do whatever you want. But on this cruise, I was thinking, okay, soft serve is made of cow milk. So I'm just not going to have that. But I did allow myself to have um, some of the desserts uh, in the buffet. They have bread pudding a lot of the times. And I love bread pudding so much. I'm I'm sure there's some amount of cream or dairy or something in the bread pudding. But I was like, the bread pudding is so delicious, I don't care. And it's got to have less dairy in it than just, the cow's milk or whatever they put for the soft serve so i did have a decent amount of the bread pudding Uh, they had it available half the nights at least half the days in the buffet they had bread pudding and and the thing with the buffet is they cook so much food that it's a never ending they never run out of food they literally never run out of food at the buffet so yeah the diet took a little bit of a it was a bit of a balance So I did have some dessert. I did have a lot of pizza. I did have a lot of bread pudding. But I made sure to eat a lot of lean proteins and vegetables and things like that. Oh, they always have chocolate chip cookies, and they always have oatmeal raisin cookies, which were both very good. So I would take a little bowl. When I'm done my meal at the buffet, I would usually take a little bowl, and I would either take some dessert with me to go, like the bread pudding – or the thing I end up doing a lot almost every day is taking some cookies, not to eat right away, but just to have in the room. I took a bunch of like oatmeal raisin cookies, half a dozen or something, put in the, a little soup bowl, take it with me when I leave the buffet, just so if I was in the room later and I felt peckish, uh, I could just have like some cookies. So that worked out really well. I brought a entire bag. I think it was a two pound bag of vegan protein powder that I lugged all the way from L.A. over three flights in my carry-on luggage all the way onto the ship. Uh, I only had checked—so uh, I didn't have any checked luggage. I had this—and uh, my regular carry-on roll-aboard suitcase, I was very, very full, that I somehow managed to put in a two-pound bag of vegan protein powder because I know I'm not going to get enough protein just by eating. And sometimes when you're on a cruise on vacation, especially— you're partying and stuff some of the days. Your appetite just doesn't isn't quite there. At least for me, I know personally that when I'm doing things on a cruise sometimes, I don't have as much time to eat or I don't feel hungry as often as when I'm just at home doing my regular routine. So I know having the protein powder for me is really valuable to keep my protein intake. And especially we go to the gym on the ship as well. And I did go to the gym quite a few days on the ship. So I was thinking, okay, once I get to Rome, I need to go directly to the uh, cruise terminal. I don't have time to do any shopping. I signed up for the Atlanta shuttle that takes you from the airport to the cruise port. So, and even if I did have time, I it probably would have been difficult for me to, with all my luggage that I had to carry, to go find a place that had vegan protein powder. So I was thinking... I would just pack my own. So I made space in my carry-on luggage for the protein powder. I thought TSA would have, I don't know, it would just be difficult for TSA. But all they did was take it out and they did the swipey thing to, with the little pads to look for traces of explosives or whatever. And it, it was fine. So it was actually pretty easy to get out through TSA, luckily. Yeah. Uh, met some cool people on the cruise I came in touch with. I met a group of boys that lives in L.A. That was uh, that was really cool to uh, party with them and chat with them. And there was a dick deck. And for those of you that are not familiar, the dick deck, it's exactly what you think it is. There's a, usually at the late, late night, early morning hours, there is a not sanctioned, unofficial, it's not put on by Atlantis, but usually there's some section of the ship on one of the upper decks, like on the pool deck of solarium or patio somewhere or whatever, that you can go into and it's a little bit dark and uh, things are happening there. And I think most of you listening can probably imagine what that is. And I always sometimes think, how hard does the crew on the ship have to the lengths they have to go through to, like, avoid that area, but then they also have to eventually clean it up the morning after. I'm just going to, like, leave it at that. Uh, I always give the advice to cruisers that but sometimes they ask, what can I wear? Or they're more accurately asking, how little clothes can I get away with wearing on the cruise ship? And when people go to the party, the nighttime parties and stuff, they are wearing a jockstrap or sometimes just a napkin with a piece of string, something like that. And I tell them, as long as your cock and balls are covered, you can, you can show your ass crack. If you're just going from your room to the party, and there's a party going on, that's okay. Just like during the daytime, you're going to go to the pool, you just wear your Speedo uh, to and from your room and the pool. That's fine. But don't be fully naked. You know, just walking around in the hallways. When you're at the party, you know, that's fine. But the crew need to work on the other parts of the ship, and they don't really appreciate walking by someone in the corridors who's got their dick fully out. It's just a little bit of like a, a courtesy thing. Do you really need to be fully naked walking down the hallway where all the cabins are? No, you don't. So, uh. Yeah, that, that's a piece of advice that I usually give. Let's fast forward to Ibiza. And got to Ibiza in, like, the early evening. It was, supposed be, it was a little stormy. There were some storms that were passing through. So we actually had to be off of the coast of Ibiza for a few hours. Supposed to be there. We are supposed to have docked at 8 p.m. We didn't dock until 11, 11.30 at night, which is fine. Some in Ibiza, some in Spain doesn't really get going until later, later really late in the night anyways. And they were selling shore excursion packages to go to this one particular club called High Ibiza. And on Sunday nights, they host a night called Glitterbox, which is a, it's not a gay night, but it's queer friendly. It's still a straight club. I don't think there are any gay clubs in Abiza as far as I know, but I'm not the authority on Abiza for sure. But Glitterbox is a gay friendly night. It's still a straight club on Sundays and because we're Doc Sunday nights they uh, had this shore excursion package that was transportation to and from glitter box and a ticket to get in and also one drink ticket which is like really nice so I went ahead and did that it was really nice and easy once we got off the ship uh, there were shuttles all ready to go that was really nice it was fine to like just take the shuttle get there and get back it's really well uh, organized actually and I never been to Ibiza before. It's not a place that's necessarily on my list of things to do or high on my list of things to do. It was one of those things where if I had the opportunity and I, it was easy to go, I would just do it and check it off my list. And I was talking to someone on the cruise ship that has been there and done that and kind of did all this stuff. And he pretty much said, yeah, for a lot of gays, it's you go there, you do it once, you check the box. You're probably not going to come back, and that is the exact experience that I have with Ibiza. I can now say I've been to Ibiza. I went to this club. I went to Glitterbox. It was cute. I don't need to go back. Not that I wouldn't recommend someone else go, but for me, that's just not the type of scene that I'm into. I'm you know to at least not to the level where I'm going to make a deliberate effort to go back. But it was fun. It was cute. Uh, we're there for like three four hours it was it was fine um I think the thing that reminded me is I never go to straight clubs anymore I go to gay events it could be a straight quote-unquote venue but I won't go there if, if there's a gay night at this venue where there's a like gay event like a circuit party or something yeah I'll go but it's a gay event but this is again not a gay night it's a queer friendly night but it's still mostly sh- for straight so me personally i just find straight clubs so annoying and uh, yeah on on a few different levels this is not gonna be a popular opinion honestly and uh, but it, it's just not for me i mean if you throw a bunch of straight people into a gay club uh, there's a bunch of them that won't like it either because they're quite different and the crowd is different. One time, my brother, this is a few years ago, pre-pandemic, and he messaged me and said, oh, my, my friends, uh, I've got a group of friends who are girls and they want to go to celebrities in Vancouver. Celebrities is a gay nightclub in Vancouver, but it's kind of sort of turned straight. A lot of straight people go to celebrities now. But he said, Oh, I've got a bunch of friends who are girls that want to go to a gay club. Should I go with them? And instantly I said, no, do not go with them unless you want gay guys to hit on you. And my brother isn't homophobic, but I have roamed this earth long enough to know that most typical heterosexual straight guys do not want gay guys to hit on them or they don't know, not because they hate gay people. They just don't know how to deal with that situation. Um, and it's, yeah. So I just in, it instantly told them, don't go. You're not going to have fun. Girls. A lot of girls have fun in gay clubs and gay bars. That's great. But I wouldn't have straight girls, direct or straight guy friends to, a gay club if they have no idea what to expect and that's just my recommendation so i told me instantly don't go with your friends let them go they can have fun you, there's nothing for you there you're not going to enjoy it and if you're not going to know how to handle other guys hitting on you but if you go to a gay club and you're a guy it, it, the chances are or, or, or you're a girl it doesn't matter people are going to assume that there's a decent chance you are queer So if you don't know how to handle that, and I don't think my brother does, and I did not have the time or the energy to train and teach, all I really could recommend is don't go to a gay club. You know, that's fine. He probably wouldn't have liked the experience otherwise. You know, gay culture is a little different from straight culture in, in, in a lot of ways. And this is one of those things where, you know, I don't expect straight people any, I don't expect all straight people to be able to have a good time in a gay club. The reverse is true, too. You're not going to be able to expect all queer people to be able to enjoy or fully appreciate the atmosphere or the culture of a typical straight club. And for me, a straight club is just not it. I wouldn't say that I had a bad time in Ibiza. I, there are other aspects of straight clubs that I don't like but I was there with uh, some friends that I met on the cruise so that was pretty cool I just kind of danced and partied with them the whole time so it was overall uh, a good time but would I go back to Ibiza no <laughs> that that's that's pretty much it um yeah so overall it was fun I I think the thing I enjoyed the most was um the spontaneous, the people that i met on the cruise kind of sort of spontaneously, I usually don't meet that many new people on a cruise. It also depends, depends on a few things. It depends on if I'm with a group of friends. Did I go on a cruise with a group of friends? Yes or no? What kind of crowd is on this particular cruise? Again, the big January cruise is a kind of party cruise. There are people that are not hardcore partyers, but the vast majority of that particular cruise's crowd is hardcore partiers and they're just partying Uh, whereas this cruise is a little more chill and a little little more uh relaxed also got more of an international crowd you know the the big cruise in january it's based in the u.s it's probably like 90 90 something percent people from the u.s whereas on this cruise they gave us the stats 70 people 70 percent of the people were from the u.s but because it's obviously a cruise that's out of Europe and within Europe in the Mediterranean, you know, there were other people. I ran into a group of boys that were, well, one of, one of them was, uh, from, uh, they were from Ukraine. I think they lived in the Ukraine or they they were Ukrainian. I don't know exactly where they live, had, had a little bit of small talk with them. I was in my room and I was, uh, I was at the party. It was nighttime and I was, just came back to my room to like freshen up or whatever. And they just happened to knock on my door. And like, I, I met them that way. Nothing happened. We just talked. And, uh, yeah, met a group of uh, boys that are from L.A., which I should probably message them and uh, say hi. And uh, met a couple boys that lived in London. So it was really nice. It was more of an international uh, set of boys compared to the U.S. cruises. So it was fun to, like, meet people that lived in different places. So I think that was probably the part that I didn't quite expect. I do sometimes – I've gotten the feedback before where – I could look standoffish, and it's true. Sometimes I do look standoffish because I've got a bit of RBF, even though at parties and stuff, I usually try to kind of slap on a bit of a smile. I'm usually having fun anyway, so I'm like a little bit smiley at parties now, but I think when I first started partying and stuff, I just had RBF. I think because I was, like, new to it, I didn't know what's going on, so I just had, like, a regular resting idle facial expression, which – Could be rbf for me and i just stuck very closely with my group because i just kind of clinged onto them a little bit more because i didn't know what was going on so that probably made me look pretty standoffish and i wasn't always as good at just having conversation with complete strangers uh, in any sort of social setting out and about Because I was just so introverted, and I didn't really know how to like talk to people all the time in that type of like super social party type situation. I've gotten a lot better now, so it's not as much of a thing. Um, But yeah, I have gone that note before. But I think on this one, I did pretty well. It's something I'm still working on to be able to uh, not look so standoffish. You know, smile a little bit when you're at a party. Uh, don't always be in your group and make it look clicky be able to actually try to converse with people when someone says hi or whatever you can ask them a question like oh what's your name where are you from what parties have you been going to Did you get off the ship things like that so i'm getting a little bit better at that all right oh i've been talking for a full half an hour now which is great Um, again, the video version of this podcast is on YouTube and also on Spotify, but I think you might've had enough of me talking about cruises for right now. And next week, normal service hopefully will be resumed. This canker sore hopefully will clear itself up. I hope it's not anything bacterial related. I need to go and get some antibiotics, but yeah, uh, we will see you again next week. Bye.